Hi, this is Hannah Langdell and Nick Olick, Duke Plastic Surgery residents on The Resident Review, a plastic surgery podcast. Today we'll be continuing our quick hit series and discussing breast reduction. Nick, do you want to get us started by discussing some of the anatomy? Yes, sounds great. So let's start with uh, anatomy and development of the breast. So breast development begins during the fourth week of gestation. Estrogen causes ductal proliferation, while progesterone causes glandular proliferation. We talk about the blood supply to the breast. This is from a couple of different sources, primarily the internal mammary artery. We also have the lateral thoracic artery, the thoracodorsal, and the thoracocromial artery. Blood supply to the nipple areola complex comes from perforating branches of the internal mammary artery at intercostal spaces. A little bit more uh, breast development. Um, tanner stages one through five involve development of the breast buds and pubic hair simultaneously. And sometimes we're asked about uh, premature theorky, and this is development of the breast prior to other areas during puberty. A little bit more, um, dive a little deeper on breast pathology. So accessory breast tissue or polymastia, this occurs along the embryonic milk line and enlarges during periods of hormonal stimulation like puberty. And the most common sites of polymastia and polythelia or supernumerary nipple is the left chest wall just below the IMF. And that's something we're relatively commonly tested on. Um, fiber adenomas, these present as firm rubbery nodules and histopathology for these lesions will show epithelial and stromal proliferation. Giant fiber adenomas are solitary, firm, and non-tender and usually greater than five centimeters in diameter. These will present as a rapid breast enlargement with prominent overlying veins and occasional uh, pressure-induced skin ulcerations. And treatment for these include enucleation and breast reduction. Uh, another pathology we're tested on is juvenile hypertrophy, and this is progressive enlargement of the breast during puberty, typically greater than 1,500 grams. And histopathology here will reveal increased stromal uh, collagen and fat. And this is a hypertrophy of the stromal content of the breast. This is thought to be from abnormal end organ response to estrogen and is not thought to be due to an increased level of estrogen or increased estrogen receptors. Two other quick ones for breast pathology, the juvenile papillomatosis or Swiss cheese disease. And this presents similar to fibroadenoma. Um, pathology here will reveal hyperplasia and sclerosing adenosis. And importantly, 10% of these lesions will go on to develop malignancy. And phyloides tumor, and this is treated with wide local excision with one centimeter margins. Hannah, do you want to kind of dig a little deeper into breast reduction now? Sure. Thanks, Nick. So first we'll discuss patient selection. There's really no strict age requirement to undergo breast reduction and young adolescent patients can undergo breast reduction if they have profound breast development that can have physical and psychological effects. However, breast development may continue uh, and they may need revisionary procedures. So it's best to wait until enlargement has stabilized for at least a year prior to surgery. And the presentation of macromastia includes complaints such as shoulder pain, neck and upper back pain, grooving of the bra straps and rashes. And you can oftentimes see trapezial hypertrophy. The resection weight is not correlated with relief of symptoms. However, insurance companies will use the resection weight as a criteria for coverage. Uh, Next, we'll go through the breast reduction procedure itself and design. So the first procedure is purely liposuction, and this leaves major vessels and nerves intact, as well as intact sensation, and has the best potential for future breastfeeding. Uh, It involves significant bruising and swelling that can take over six weeks to resolve. And liposuction is effective for adipose tissue, but it's not as great for glandular tissue. 
and does not correct ptosis. So more often we are discussing a surgical excision and the two skin resection patterns are vertical and wise pattern. So a vertical incision has a similar pattern to a circumareolar to a circumareolar or donut mastopexy and there's only skin excision in one direction. So this decreases the scar burden. Overall it narrows the breast shape and maximizes the breast projection. It can be used with any pedicle, but usually a superior or medial pedicle is used. You can increase the inframary fold to nipple distance with this skin uh, resection pattern. And you should not use if you are trying to transpose the NAC greater than nine centimeters. Uh, more commonly, at least at Duke, we do the wise pattern reduction, and this allows for reduction in the size of the areola and can increase projection. It does not decrease the base width. However, you can have a boxy appearance. Uh, something else that is sometimes used in the context of uh, breast reduction is a wetting solution like tumescent. This is typically a dilute epi solution, and this has been shown to decrease intraoperative blood loss, but has no significant impact on operative time, drain output, hematoma rates, or postoperative bleeding. And drains are not commonly used, and the literature does not support lower complication rates or hematoma rates with drain use. In regards to the pedicle, uh, we can think of the superior pedicle, superior medial, inferior, central, and lateral are, are all different pedicle options. Regardless of the pedicle choice, the tissue is deepithelialized in order to preserve the subdermal plexus. And this is also thought to be the primary venous drainage of the nipple areolar complex. The superior pedicle involves resection of the tissue at the base of the breast, and the blood supply is the internal mammary artery perforator from the second intercostal space, and that's something we're commonly tested on. And this is the pedicle that's most likely to alter NAC sensation as it resects both the medial and lateral innervations of the nipple, and also results in poor breastfeeding potential. For the superior medial pedicle, the blood supply is, primary the, is primarily the IMA perforators from the second and third intercostal spaces, and the sensation to the nipple areolar complex after a superior medial reduction comes from terminal branches of the fourth and fifth anterior, inter anterior intercostal nerves, and normal sensation to the NAC comes from the lateral cutaneous fourth intercostal nerve, which is, again, a, a very commonly tested topic. So for the inferior and central pedicles, the blood supply is perforators from the internal mammary vessels from the fourth intercostal space. And the lateral pedicle is based on perforators from the lateral thoracic artery. And another uh, topic to keep in mind is free nipple grafts. And the relative indications for using a free nipple graft is if you need to elevate the nipple greater than 25 centimeters. And you should also consider this in smokers or in patients with diabetes. Nick, do you want to go over some of the potential complications in breast reduction? Absolutely. Uh, overall complication rate for breast reduction is about 43%, uh, with the most common complication being delayed wound healing. And this can occur in up to 21% of patients. And this is something that we are commonly tested on. Uh, this correlates with preoperative best breast volume, average resection weight, smoking, and it's inversely related with patient age. So younger patients will have a lower rate of these complications. And degree of ptosis is not correlated with delayed wound healing. One complication that we think about a lot is a dusky nipple areola complex or a uh, nipple areola complex with threatened blood supply. Uh, this happens in less than 5% of patients and increased BMI is a significant risk factor. 
If this is discovered in the operating room, there's a couple steps we can take. The first would be to release the sutures and assess for hematoma or external compression and continue to assess the pedicle for any kind of kinking or twisting. If no improvement occurs, you can consider doing a free nipple graft at that time. If this presents, presents later in the post-operative period, you should observe until wound healing is complete. This will then be followed by nipple reconstruction in the delayed setting. Hematoma is another complication we think about, and this is correlated with hypotensive general anesthesia. So you want to make sure, or ideally you want your patient to be normal tensive under general anesthesia so that upon emergence from anesthesia um, or when they're kind of back awake and alert, uh, that they're not having higher blood pressures that would cause them bleeding from vessels that you weren't able to visualize. We also talk about galactorrhea, and this is post-operative milky discharge from the breast. This is thought to be from stimulation of prolactin and interruption of the intercostal nerves. We can treat this with bromocryptine. Fat necrosis after breast reduction occurs in 2 to 10% of patients, and risk factors for development of fat necrosis include larger BMI, larger resection weights, long suprasternal notched nipple distance of greater than 37 centimeters. This would present uh, postoperatively as a hard lump after breast reduction. It can be seen as abnormalities on mammograms as well. Something that we are very commonly tested on is the risk of breast cancer uh, in breast reduction specimens. So you should send specimens pathology, particularly if the patient is greater than 40 years old. Uh, breast reductions themselves decrease the rate of breast cancer by approximately 30%. And you can think about that compared to a mastectomy, which decreases the breast cancer risk uh, by 90%. Okay, so patients without an, a history of breast cancer have a a likelihood of finding an incidental breast cancer in a breast reduction specimen of about 0.4%. In patients with a history of breast cancer, this increases to 5.5%. Again, very commonly tested point. Post-surgical changes after breast reduction include fat necrosis, oil cyst, fibrosis, and calcifications. Workups for these changes often consist of mammography and ultrasonography. And scattered microcalcifications such as round, spherical, punctate, and diffusely scattered Calcifications are consistent with benign processes, while clustered or branching may be indicative of malignant lesions. And lastly, just kind of a miscellaneous topic that kind of falls under this category is a McCune-Albright syndrome or a polycystic fibrous dysplasia. This is characterized by premature puberty. This, present, this presents as benign menstruation prior to breast development. It is also associated with bony abnormalities and cafe au lait spots. Who knew? Awesome. Well, that was a very high yield quick hits. And this is all very commonly tested, especially I think the different pedicles is probably the highest yield. So thanks for joining us. As a plastic surgeon with a unique vision for each patient, the more options you have at your fingertips, the better. Natrell is one of the portfolios available to you. To learn more, visit natrellsurgeon.com.